It's December 7th. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. Hey, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Right Report, your daily news podcast. I've got three briefs for you this morning that are shaping America and the world. First up, Joe Biden has been caught again lying about his involvement with his family's foreign business deals. At least that is based on hundreds of new emails disclosed by IRS whistleblowers. Details on that soon. Second, the battle over whether or not to support Ukraine is getting more tense and heated this morning. U.S. politicians duked it out yesterday about this topic. European leaders, meanwhile, are starting to cut back on their support, too. Third, I've got five key updates for you on the war in the Middle East, from plans to flood the Hamas tunnel networks to a warning that terror cells have already infiltrated Europe. We'll talk about why we should care. Later, a listener question today about alcoholism and a new drug that shows promise in treating it. It's a a very hopeful message for us this morning. But first, let's get to our top stories of the morning. Joe Biden has once again been caught lying about his involvement with his family's foreign business deals. At least that is based on a new set of emails provided by IRS whistleblowers Gary Shapley and Joseph Zeigler. To quickly refresh our memories on these two men, I shared with you back on July 20th and again on August 21st that these two gentlemen claimed that for years they were prevented from fully investigating the crimes of both Hunter Biden and the possible crimes of his father, Joe Biden. So these gentlemen alleged that their work was thwarted by senior officials within the FBI and the Department of Justice, though both agencies deny such. Uh, Republicans then took the torch of investigation, and by late August, they discovered this. Mr. Biden used mysterious email addresses at the very same time he was vice president, and allegedly at the exact same time that these corrupt activities were taking place. The new email addresses that were used, these aliases, they included uh, emails such as RobinWare456, JRBWare, and Robert L. Peters. Well, since August, these two IRS investigators who actually continue to work at the IRS, they have conducted additional searches on those emails with their various investigatory tools. And they found this. Over the course of nearly a decade, Joe Biden contacted his son Hunter and one of his business partners named Eric Schwerin. In fact, he did it over 320 times. Of the 320, 54 emails were exclusively between Mr. Joe Biden and the business partner alone, that Mr. Schwerin. Now, the White House says that there is nothing to be concerned about here, nothing to look at. And indeed, these two gentlemen were just talking about Mr. Biden's personal budget or other personal matters. But the question, of course, is whether that benign explanation is, well, true. According to the IRS whistleblowers, to figure that out, they will need a warrant to get access to the emails. And to be clear, they probably should. The metadata on the emails show a notable increase in correspondence between Joe Biden and that business partner I mentioned when then Vice President uh, Biden traveled to Ukraine. And that, of course, is very important because a longtime FBI informant has revealed to us that Mr. Biden personally and directly benefited from some secret cash arranged by his son Hunter with the express understanding that Mr. Biden would change or otherwise affect U.S. policy regarding Ukraine. Now, as of this morning, it is unclear whether or not House investigators will get a warrant or other authorities to get full access to those 320 plus emails. But we do know this, 
The National Archives has promised that they are going to provide 60,000 pages of records related to Mr. Biden's time as vice president. And that could include some of these emails, maybe. One other related item to note for you. Mr. Biden was confronted at the White House yesterday by a reporter who asked him about this next poll. About 70 percent of Americans believe that Mr. Biden acted illegally or unethically regarding his family's business deals. And a reporter wanted him to explain how he would convince Americans that actually they're wrong, that he has not or would not engage in either illegal or unethical behavior. To which Mr. Biden said this yesterday, quote, I'm not going to comment on that. It's just a bunch of lies. I did not interact with those business associates. They're all lies, end quote. So those are the latest facts and data regarding alleged Biden family corruption. Let me pivot now to my analysis and opinion. So folks, I have a personal appeal for you this morning and an offer. And it is based on this. Last Saturday, House Speaker Mike Johnson confirmed that the House is likely to launch a far more aggressive impeachment inquiry against Mr. Biden. A vote for that investigation could happen this week at earliest, possibly next, with efforts launched early next year. And that means that there is going to be a lot of propaganda out there trying to fool, mislead, or otherwise uh, misdirect you. And your friends and families are probably going to be impacted by this propaganda stuff too. But all that fake news will not work if you or your loved ones have the facts, the evidence to refute all of it. And that's why I'm going to offer you this. For those with Substack accounts, either paid or unpaid, I will include in today's episode access to the transcript for my show on September 13th. And here's why I'm doing that. On that episode, I laid out all of the public evidence going all the way back to the year 2011 that confirms that Mr. Biden did, in fact, speak to his son Hunter, plus his brother and others, about the Biden family's foreign business deals. In other words, that collection of data confirmed that Mr. Biden is lying when he says that he has never spoken to his son or his brother about those deals. So that is why I'm making today's episode fully unlocked and totally free for everybody. You just have to have a Substack account, which, again, you can get for free. So go to writereport.substack.com, get an unpaid account if you'd like, and then click on today's episode. And then you, what you do is you, you download the PDF of the transcript from that September 13th episode. And I sure hope you uh, just explore that transcript with abandon and all the sources. And please share it because that is how we need to face this moment in American history with facts and data, logic and reason, which takes me frankly to my real motivation, ladies and gentlemen, for making this episode free for all, but really for doing this podcast. As listeners know, I have shared a number of times with you the words of Benjamin Franklin, who said to us over 200 years ago that we have a republic if we can keep it. And that means that we need to be informed and ready to fight with facts and data to, to push aside the forces of darkness and ignorance and partisanship who ultimately are seeking to destroy this country. So if some of y'all out there, who, you know, you can use my work to contribute in some small way to keeping this republic, then good. Let's do it. With that, ladies and gentlemen, let's take our first break of the morning. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, we all know that good meals equal a good, healthy body. And that's why I continue to tell you about Factormeals.com. They're the folks that deliver fresh, never frozen meals right to your doorstep. All you do is open the box and within two minutes of heating, they are ready to enjoy. And 
boy, you have a lot to enjoy. You've got 35 different meal options to choose from every week, from things like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, even vegetarian foods, if that's your cup of tea. And we are talking about good food for breakfast, lunch, dinner, plus grab-and-go snacks and cold-pressed juices, shakes, and smoothies. By the way, I've got two recommendations for you. Their pork chops are top shelf, and I also love the mango smoothies. So there you go. But seriously, folks, I love Factor Meals. They are the perfect option for either very busy folks like me or retired folks who want good, healthy meals but don't want the fuss of cooking. So support the folks who support me and get Factor Meals right now at 50% off. Yeah. So here's how you do it. Go to factormeals.com slash right five zero. That's W-R-I-G-H-T-5-0 and get 50% off. Yes, that's code right five zero at factorymeals.com slash right five zero and get your 50% off. But I'll tell you, more importantly, you are going to get a meal service, my friends, that is good for your body and great for your taste buds. I promise. Welcome back to The Right Report. Let's continue, shall we, with our briefs this morning with a pivot towards international news. And we start with the fight in Ukraine with updates about the fight over Ukraine. And that's because the Biden White House and administration made another round of pretty desperate pleas to Congress yesterday to grant more than $60 billion in war aid to Ukraine. Mr. Biden himself said at a press conference that unless Congress acts by year end, just a couple of weeks from now, He will run out of money to give to President Volodymyr Zelensky. And if so, that is going to lead to terrible things like more war crimes in Ukraine, uh, less U.S. leadership in the world. And more horrifically, Russia will probably attack the rest of Europe. Mr. Biden didn't release any intelligence to back that claim up. But nevertheless, that is his assessment. And that is why he said yesterday that, quote, this war money for Ukraine cannot wait. We can't let Putin win. End quote. Well, this comes on the heels of Monday's announcement by the Pentagon chief, Lloyd Austin, who went one step further. He said that if we don't send Ukraine more aid, the United States will eventually have to deploy U.S. troops to Europe to fight Russia directly. But despite those pleas and frankly promises of World War III, the Senate failed yesterday to advance the cash for Kiev bill. And that's because opponents said that either forget it, not going to happen, no more money for Ukraine, Or others said, sure, I'll give some money to Ukraine, but we need to fix the collapsed southern border first. And the way to do that, this latter group said, is to pass something called House Resolution 2, which has a whole slew of border provisions, like building more border wall and reforming the asylum process. But to that, Mr. Biden and progressive Democrats said, absolutely not, it is too extreme. And so, with neither side willing to budge much, the Ukraine aid bill died. And along with it, more money or authorities to fix the collapsed southern border as well. That died too. One final thing to note for you, in the midst of the fears that Putin is set to march into Europe if we don't stop him in Ukraine, Reuters News Service reported this yesterday. European Union countries have ordered only 60,000 artillery shells for Ukraine, and that is far short of the 1 million that they promised to deliver by March. Now, to be fair and to be clear, there are other efforts by individual European nations to provide these same artillery shells as well. But even when you add all those up, it just gets you to just shy of 500,000 155 artillery shells. And that, of course, is 
far short of the one million that Europe promised to Kiev about a year ago. So those are the facts and data this morning about war aid to Ukraine and how the fight over the U.S. border has prevented Kiev from getting more U.S. taxpayer dollars, for now at least. Let me pivot to my analysis and opinion at this point, starting with why you should care. So first, folks, when you elect a president, there is really only one key job duty that you ask of them, and that is to protect the country. And that's not up for negotiation or horse trading. That is their most critical role. And yet what appears to be happening right now is this White House is effectively saying they will defend the southern border, sure, but only after Congress gives them money for Ukraine, which is absurd. The role of a president is to protect the country, certainly from an invasion, which is happening right now. To that point, I've got another record to tell you about. On Monday, over 12,000 people crossed the southern U.S. border illegally, and that is a new one-day record. And to give you a sense of how outrageous it is becoming down there, let me offer you this next anecdote. A reporter was interviewing an illegal migrant who had just crossed over. And he said, quote, I love you, Joe Biden. Thank you for everything, Joe Biden. End quote. Okay, so who was that migrant? No idea. No one knows. But now he is off to a city near you. And that doesn't seem like something that would happen if you had a president who understood that preventing that unvetted migrant from being here is frankly the most important job that he has. Second, let's talk about this suggestion that Europe is going to fall to Russia and we are going to have to send our troops over, which would be World War III. So for that to be true, we or the Europeans would need intelligence of medium to high degree of confidence saying that Vladimir Putin is planning to march through the Baltics and then on through Poland and then maybe the shores of Germany and France. But we don't have that intelligence. I assure you of that. Because if we did, it would have been declassified ages ago. And we would have already had a critical debate about it. And if it were true, we would be on a bipartisan war footing this morning. But we're not because that intel doesn't exist. But I tell you what does exist. A war that has been utterly botched by both the Ukrainians and the U.S. Pentagon. We have talked about that a lot on previous episodes, but if you want an outside voice on this, I'd encourage you to read an expose that was done by the Washington Post. They ran a piece on this uh, about three days ago. I've included it in the transcripts. And as you will read, ladies and gentlemen, things have gotten nightmarishly bad in Ukraine. One other thing that also exists this morning, there is a relative indifference in Europe to this Russian threat. One indicator of it is this tiny order of 155 artillery shells. It's pretty anemic. But I've also briefed you on other things like how European nations continue to buy Russian wheat, diesel, oil, and LNG, either directly or laundered through countries like India. But that's pretty bizarre if Europe really believes that they are on the verge of being invaded by the Russians. If they really, truly believe that, we would have seen change in the continent, wouldn't we have? We would have seen them, say, shut down many of their commercial factories and switch to making bombs and airplanes, tanks and missiles, sort of like we did in World War II. We would also be seeing things like a a continent-wide national draft with images of young men marching and drilling. But they're not doing that because they fundamentally don't fear that a Russian invasion is likely. And that is obviously logically the case. And so that means then that Biden and his team are trying to scare you. They're trying to scare you into forcing over $60 billion in deficit spending 
for a war that even the Europeans aren't really willing to sacrifice for. And that the Ukrainians, bless them, they have just botched their activities on the battlefield. They've tried hard, but they've fallen short. And doubling down on that scenario, ladies and gentlemen, that just doesn't sound smart, nor does it sound presidential, especially when you consider that the $60 billion in aid could be used here at home, used on our southern border, which is being invaded this morning. And if there were any doubt about that, we've got the videos of migrants shouting, thank you, Joe Biden, thank you, to make that wildly clear. And with that, we pivot to our second piece of international news of the morning. I've got the latest out of the war in the Middle East with five key updates that you need to know. First, the Israeli government warned European nations yesterday that Hamas and its fighters have deeply penetrated the continent with the goal of creating an Islamic state. Israel's Diaspora Affairs Ministry sent a letter to 20 European leaders, including in Italy, Belgium, Sweden, Hungary, Germany, amongst others, saying that Israeli and Western intelligence has long known that Hamas and other radical Islamic groups have used humanitarian cover organizations, fake charities in other words, to operate and fund their plans to take over Europe. Israel's warning comes a day after American and European security officials admitted that the threat from Islamic terror was at a shocking high. You may recall that FBI Director Christopher Wray said that all warning lights are flashing red, with attacks likely to occur by Christmas. Next up, Israel continues to launch its operations in the southern part of Gaza this morning, engaging in what is being described as house-to-house battles. That includes in the main city in the south called Khan Yunus. Israeli forces believe that they will find key Hamas leaders in that city, including Hamas's chief, Yahya Sinwar. The Israelis have surrounded his home, but it's likely he is elsewhere, probably in the Hamas tunnel networks. In terms of overall progress, Israel believes that it has killed about half of the terror group's battalion commanders, with upwards of 5,000 fighters killed so far of the estimated 30,000 who have been trained. By Israel's own math, though, that means that they have killed around 10,000 civilians, with Israeli officials acknowledging a two-to-one ratio of two civilians dead for every Hamas fighter killed. As listeners know, that is largely because the Palestinian terror group uses civilians as human shields, and that is not expected to change. Third, Israeli forces and members of the press embedded with them released video this week of a major cache of weapons discovered in the north of Gaza. They found RPGs, anti-tank missiles, rockets, grenades, drones, and explosives, all discovered allegedly near a school and a health clinic. The Israelis say that most of the material is pretty standard fare for Hamas, but some of it is new, including some of those drones. And they've sent that stuff off to the military labs that they have for further investigation. Next up, Israel is moving forward with its plans to flood Hamas's tunnel networks with seawater. In previous episodes, I've shared with you how the Israelis and the Egyptians have done this before, flooding tunnel networks with either raw sewage or seawater. Well, those plans were updated. In fact, we learned that on Monday in a report by the Wall Street Journal. But now we have our first pictures. Israeli forces are installing pumps and pipelines running from the beaches of northern Gaza towards key tunnel networks nearby. And by the way, we are talking about a lot of water. The current plan is to pump tens of thousands of gallons per hour into those tunnel networks. The the idea or the target is to flood 300 miles of tunnels, although the Israeli government admits that it's not quite sure where all the water will eventually go. And that's leading some environmental groups to warn that 
This stuff is going to seep into the wells and ruin drinking water supplies or water that is used for Gaza's fields and farms. But nevertheless, Israel plans to move forward with this plan. They know, by the way, that doing this, it could jeopardize more than simply uh, wells and water supplies. It could end up drowning some of the 130 hostages who are believed to be held in some of those tunnels. So God be with them. Finally this morning, Egypt is launching a panicked effort to build a new concrete wall on its border with the Gaza Strip, hoping to prevent a rush of refugees from pouring in as Israel now ramps up its operations in the south of Gaza. The new wall will stretch about two miles in all, built over an older barrier that is deemed to be too short. A spokesperson for Hamas told the French media outlet AFP that Cairo is hoping to complete this wall as soon as possible. That's because they anticipate that hundreds of thousands of newly arrived Gazans in Rafah could or will likely try to push over the border as the situation grows more dire. So those are the latest facts and data out of the Middle East this morning. Let me now pivot to my analysis and opinion. I want to remind you all of a dirty little secret. Arab leaders quietly want Israel to kill Hamas's leadership and destroy most of their fighters, which is around 20,000 men as of this morning. Indeed, we, we spoke of this and the reason why throughout October, mostly on the big Monday episodes, if you want to go back to those. But what this sadly means is that as this Israeli operation continues, tens of thousands of Palestinian civilians may well die, at least based on the current two to one ratio of deaths of civilians to terrorists. Now, whether or not that is true depends on if Egypt or Jordan takes in refugees, which it appears they will not, at least based in part on Cairo's building this wall this morning to block them out. All right, so why does that matter to you? Well, when this operation in the Gaza Strip concludes, and it will, someone is going to need to be the occupying force for a time, serving as a peacekeeper. Now, that could be the Israelis for a bit, but odds are it'll either be NATO or Arab troops, based on what I hear of what could come next. And that means that some of our kids and grandkids, our friends and neighbors, could be directed to Gaza. Now, we'll see if that remains true in the coming weeks and months, but it is on the table, again, from what I hear from my sources. And that is why this region remains so important for us to watch. More to come. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude this morning's episode of The Right Report. But I've got one more thing before I let you go. We'll be right back. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy Thursday at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Welcome back to The Right Report with one more thing before I let you go. It's a listener question today sent to us from one of my paid subscribers at rightreport.substack.com. JC from West Virginia wrote in with a very kind message and a very, very interesting article. He said, Brian, I know that you have shared that you have friends and loved ones who have suffered from addiction and alcoholism. Did you see the research into Wegovy? It gives me a lot of hope here in West Virginia because it is not pretty where I live and we need a lot of help. Well, JC, I sure appreciate the note. And yes, you are right. Uh, I've 
unfortunately experienced a lot of that stuff in my life in terms of uh, watching folks struggle with addiction and alcoholism. It's awful. And you're right, West Virginia has just been horrifically hit by drug addiction, opioids, and booze over the past 20 years or so. My heart aches for you and others in your state. But JC, you sent me an article and it was fantastic. So let's get people caught up on Wigovi and what it may or may not be able to do regarding alcoholism. So for folks who are unaware, Wigovi is a class of, uh, of drugs that has gotten quite popular over the past year for helping people to lose weight. Now, the active ingredient was intended for people with diabetes, but a 2021 study showed it also helped people lose weight. Right? And with that finding, sales of Wigovi and an, another drug like it called Ozempic by golly, they have taken off like a rocket ship, those sales. But during that 2021 study, and actually subsequent to that, researchers found that users were suddenly disinterested in alcohol. And here's why that probably happened. Wagovi's active ingredient, it mimics a, a gut hormone that's called GLP-1. And amongst the many receptors for that hormone in the body is the brain. And that is where it affects dopamine levels that alter our sense of pleasure and joy. So we produce GLP-1 naturally, immediately after we eat, for instance, but it dissipates pretty quickly. But these Wigovi injections, they raise that GLP-1 level for both a higher and a longer period of time. And it appears that that interferes with the dopamine reward system in our brains. And that is probably why these folks who are on it are disinterested in booze. And it leads to alcoholics to avoid or no longer find it of interest. At least that's the theory, based on some pretty modest data and anecdotal reports. And so that's what's being studied. A team in Denmark is five months into a a year-long study, and results so far are pretty good. Indeed, they expected 40% of their subjects to drop out because they relapsed. But so far... None have. They're all apparently sober. And by the way, this use of GLP-1 is very intriguing for science because it it may provide benefits for a a host of other ailments. But for now, it's very early days for this class of drugs. There's a a lot more research necessary, plus a, a much better understanding for the side effects. Also, it's unclear whether people are going to need to take this stuff for the rest of their life once they start to get a consistent benefit. And that seems to be true if you're using it for weight loss. But JC, I'll tell you, man, for families and communities like yours and mine who have been hit hard by alcoholism, I think that we have to take hope where and when we can get it. And to that point, one of the participants in the Danish study spoke of her experiences so far. She she doesn't know for sure whether she is getting the GLP-1 treatment, but she thinks so. And she says that. Because she used to drink one to two bottles of vodka every day. But now she has stopped drinking completely and she has dropped 25 pounds to boot. And as she said, quote, it feels so good to be me again. I got my old life back. Well, God bless her and Godspeed to the researchers. Folks, if you'd like me to answer one of your questions on the podcast, it is easy to do. Either donate via my Stripe account, which you will find a link for in the show notes. Just make sure you leave your email and I'll be in touch. Otherwise, go to writereport.substack.com. Sign up and at the bottom of each day's Substack post, you can leave me a comment or ask me a question. 
And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude your morning brief. As always, I will see you tomorrow, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day.